Hello there, and welcome to the How to Market Your Horse Business podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me here today. My name is Denise Alvarez, and I have the pleasure and honor of hosting you here on the podcast each week. And before we jump into the meat of our episode, which I'm very excited about, it is all about selling, and I have a really great guest you're going to love to talk about that with me. Before we do that, I'd love to just quickly introduce myself in case we are new friends, and then we will jump right into it. Okay. So as I said, my name is Denise and through my business Storm Lily Marketing, I get to help horse business owners like you turn your website visitors into your customers. I get to do that through coaching as well as website design and content, email marketing, and my monthly coaching program called Social Stripe. I do each of these things because I want to help you all be out doing what you love and enjoy doing, right? To get out and be with the horses because that's the best part of being a horse business owner, right? Now, I know that marketing is not everybody's favorite thing. And so that's why I created this podcast because I want to help make it doable and practical for you because as a horse business owner, marketing is going to be part of growing a sustainable business, right? And that's what I want for you. So whether it is through step-by-step strategies or basic how-tos, my goal here on the podcast is to help you not only see what's possible for your horse business, but also to guide you through that process and help you make it happen. So today I'm going to invite somebody to help me guide you through the process of selling, right? I know that for many of you, being a horse business owner, selling may be one of your least favorite things because as my guest Chris will share, sometimes you feel like the used car salesman, which I'm so sorry if you're married to a car salesman or you used to be one, there are great ones out there, right? But we know that vibe. And I often hear from horse business owners, I can blank, right? I can make saddles. I can train horses. I can teach people how to ride, fill in the blank, but I can't sell, right? I can't do the marketing thing. Selling myself is hard. I'm the product and that's really hard to sell. Or some people just say I'm afraid, right? A lot of times it's based in fear, fear of what other people will think about you, fear of what other people will think about your prices or your offerings or all those things, right? And I understand that. And I know that many of you that are thinking that think you're the only ones, but you're not. And so that's why I'm so excited to have Chris Stein on the podcast today. Chris is a national sales manager at Justin Boots. So he knows the thing or two about selling. And so I invited him to come and share some of his insights. But before you meet Chris, I want to tell you how I met him and how he ended up coming on to the podcast. So last month, I was at Road to the Horse, as many of you know, because I had a podcast episode about some of the lessons I learned while I was there. And I also was able to meet Chris for the first time when I was at that event. It was super fun. We met by happenstance. We chatted for a while. Actually, my dad met him. And then when my dad was like, oh, you're not going to believe who I just ran into or who I just met. And I was like, oh my goodness, I want to meet him. (laughs) And I told Chris that I'm like, I said, I want to meet him because I knew that uh, for one, he'd be somebody fun to just know and learn from. And for two, if he'd be willing to be on the podcast and share, I knew that he would have some really interesting things to share with you all. 
which he does. So we chatted for quite a while at the event. I learned more about his history and his passion for selling and for serving people. And I knew that you all would love him as well. Now, this interview is so rich and packed full of goodness that I have actually broken it into two different episodes. So episode 74 that you're listening to now, we're going to talk about the mindset of selling, why it matters, why it's very important for you to break through some of those barriers that I talked about, some of those fears, in order for you to create and build the business that you love, that you're going to love. And then, and he'll provide some tactical strategies for that as well, right? So the mindset, some tactical, practical things to keep in mind. And then in episode number 75, I'll share with you the second part of our conversation, which was all about products. So of course, he knows a ton just about the idea of selling, but I also wanted to tap into what he knows about selling products because he has been in the footwear industry. He was selling hats before that, and he's been in product development and design and other elements, as you'll hear. And so I wanted to ask him a few things that are specific to selling products. So for those of you listening that happen to be saddle and tack makers, or you make handmade items, or maybe you have physical products that are feed or supplements or different items for horses and pets and things like that, right? That episode is created with you in mind. So that will be episode number 75 coming up next. All right. Now, as always, I will have an outline of our conversation on the show notes. So you can go to stormlily.com slash 74 for this episode, and you can get that outline as well. All right. Okay, friends, I'm so excited for you to meet Chris. I know you're going to love him and love this conversation. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Here we go. All right, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's kind of, uh, it's exciting for me as well. Good. Well, I know my listeners are going to be so excited to hear from you, but before we jump into all things sales, I would love it if you would share a little about your own background. So I did tell them in a brief intro, basically how we met and what you do, but right now you're the national sales manager for Justin Boots, but you haven't always been. So share a little bit about your journey to getting to this point. Sure. Absolutely. Um, it's been a lot of fun for me and, and finding the industry itself was, was pretty exciting and, uh, and very much rewarding over my career. Been in the Western retail and wholesale industry for about 32 years. Uh, started working in the Western retail side of it. And over a period of time between a couple of different stores and main and uh, retailers that I worked for in the Dallas Fort Worth area, uh, had the opportunity to, uh, really kind of endear myself to a customer of mine who just happened to be uh, the national sales manager for Hatco, which at that time was Resist All, Charlie One Horse, and Stetson Hats. Um, it was really kind of interesting because I took very good care of him as a, as a customer. And over a period of time, as he would come in, I always knew what he was always looking for. I was always kind of visiting with him a little bit about what he needed. Uh, some of the things that he may not have bought right away that I remembered and uh, started up a really good conversation with him. That opportunity kind of came about uh, with him coming in the store again. And 
he kind of asked me, he says, you know, Chris, this is, uh, if you're interested, he said, I'm interested in bringing on a sales trainee position. And the funny thing about it was, is he says, I have 71 or 41 sales reps, 11 of them are over 70 and I have no backup plan. So community <laughs> kind of uh, brought itself to fruition. Uh, he said, if you take care of your customers the way you took care of me, I think you're going to have a, have an awesome career. So at that point, I took the opportunity to uh, become his first uh, sales trainee. And then over a little period of time in the training position, uh, whether it be in the factory or in the um, in the offices and or in customer service, uh, a territory in Oklahoma, Kansas, and Missouri came available. And uh, I took advantage of that opportunity. Um, after a few years of traveling there, I was asked to relocate to the Dallas-Fort Worth area uh, with Resistol. Um, they have their manufacturing facilities in Garland, Texas, and uh, was asked to become the uh, merchandising and sourcing manager for Resistol and Charlie One Horse, which was really kind of an interesting transition from the sales side into product development in the manufacturing and sourcing side of that industry. Um, after that, HACO went through a corporate downsizing. I found, my with, uh, found an opportunity to stay within the industry with Justin Brands as a Tony Lama sales rep for New Mexico and Arizona, um, where I later met my wife, Devin, uh, the daughter of Mike Major, who uh, won the uh, Road to the Horse this, this past uh, a few weeks ago. So we were excited about that. Um, within a few years, uh, working in New Mexico and Arizona, I had an opportunity to kind of move back to my home, home state of Texas. I'm a West Texas kid originally from Lubbock. And uh, having that opportunity to travel my old, basically my old stomping grounds and where I went to school uh, later led to an opportunity to uh, further my career with the company as a Tony Lama salesman. Uh, and then actually working that territory, had the opportunity to win uh, Salesman of the Year in 2008. So after that, I kind of moved back. We relocated back to the Dallas-Fort Worth area again. Um, kind of getting close to my my family. And then in 2010, uh, I always kid because I got too close to the office and they recruited me into management within the offices here. In <laughs> so we're part of uh, the umbrella of Justin Brands. So Justin Brands, you have Justin, Tony Lama, and Nakona in Chippewa. And uh, I was recruited to come in uh, into the office to join the team as the national sales manager for Tony Lama. Since then, have moved between the umbrella of brands, between Tony Lama over into Nakona as the brand manager, and finally landing on the, uh, with the largest division within our companies at Justin. So I've, I've been really fortunate to, to have that opportunity and have really enjoyed my career so far. So, yeah, it's that's kind of where it all started. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I appreciate you taking us back so that everybody can see the depth of your experience and why when we met, I was so excited that you were willing to jump on and share some things because you've also been, as you said, in a few different realms, right? So you've experienced the product development side. Uh, sales is where you really are have honed in your skills, but then you have experience with some other things. And so I'm very, very grateful uh, that you have been willing to share some of your insights here. So when we first met, you and I talked about that. And I and one of the things that I shared is that 
many of my listeners, the horse business owners that are lesson barn owners, they're saddle attack makers, they're horse trainers, they're doing a number of things. Um, but one of the things I hear often is their fear of selling and that they just have an, a hard time with that. Right. But for you, you've sure. been where they are in terms of you haven't always been sitting in the office, as you said, right? So you visited some of these smaller retail shops and some of these that have been family businesses for decades or some of these larger retailers, but you've learned that there's both a science and a relational aspect to selling regardless, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, one of the things that, that, that I see is that our customer, whether it be from the boot side of the industry, from where, from where I'm currently at, uh, to the horse side of the industry that, that your, your customers are, uh, are in, in that realm, uh, that our customer base is really the same people. Um, I think uh, whether I'm dealing with farm and fleet stores in, in Oklahoma or Nebraska or Iowa or uh, even a couple of independent retailers in Kentucky, um, I think our customer base is basically the same, whether the, the trainer um, or, you know, the breeder or, uh, or have some sort of boarding services. I think really our customer at the end of the day is really the same. You know, I, I'm visiting with them on an ongoing basis, uh, offering them tools of the trade, let's say. And I think that that's really uh, one of the key things. And, and, and establishing a relationship is really the key to the whole thing. So, you know, people buy from people they like and people that they trust. And um, I like to refer to it kind of as, a, as an interview process. Yes, perfect. And I love that the like and trust. I say that on the podcast as well. People buy from, it's that no like and trust factor, right? Regardless of who it is you're selling to and regardless of the niche or the size of your business. So you have a lot of great insights. So first I would love for us to chat about the mindset of selling, right? And marketing, of course, as a piece of that, but just the importance of breaking through some of those mental barriers that I've shared about that many horse business owners have. What I hear is, Denise, I can train horses, but I hate selling, right? Or fill in the <laughs> blank, right? I can do the horse's feet. I can do whatever it is, the skill that they have that they're passionate about or the care of the horse or the training of the horse or making the products. But then they say the butt, right? But I don't like selling. But as we know, it's important part of being a business owner. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about that, just the mindset. Absolutely. You know, I think uh, when it comes to the mindset, I think, you, you know, really you need to address a couple of aspects here. I think the first one, you know, afraid to sell, in my opinion, is, is, is someone who's afraid to talk. Um, I like to think of people enjoy visiting and getting to know each other and it's our nature. Uh, and we're curious people, you know, we, you know, what do you, people go to the mall and they want to people watch, they want to kind of see that interaction of what's going on in kind of a group setting, but they're kind of standing back and observing. And I think the the observation part of it is, is really important as well. I mean, I used to, uh, in the sales floor at retail, I would sit back and let the customer basically kind of tell me uh, what they were interested in. And so I would introduce them to the store, you know, the first conversation, especially when somebody comes in or comes in the door, they're there for a reason to begin with. But the idea is that they're not looking for the used car mentality. So mm -hmm. I always greet them 
uh, kind of direct them, ask them if they've been there before, kind of direct them towards where the men's and ladies departments are, and then allow them the opportunity without me hovering over them to kind of give me some feedback, kind of look around, you know, uh, especially in the boot department. Let's say, I think you and I discussed a little bit about this when we were, uh, when we were in Kentucky and a customer will pretty much let you know without them actually voicing what they're after, uh, what they're looking for. So if somebody heads off into the boot department or if they head off into the jean department uh, in a retail aspect, uh, you can kind of already get an idea that, hey, they're interested in either boots or they're looking for jeans. Um, the first thing I usually do is look at what they're picking up and then go back in. They've, they've somewhat made some choices early on by picking up product, looking at it, maybe putting it back down. Uh, the same thing would apply if somebody were, were working at a, uh, at a horse event and they're coming out there and looking at uh, some tack and then they put the tack back. Um, they've already kind of were curious about it to begin with. So mm-hmm. that would be the first opportunity, in my opinion, to go in and visit with them a little bit. So, hey, I noticed you picked this up. Really give me an opportunity. Let me talk to you a little bit more about it and why I brought it here. Uh, it really gives you that opportunity to kind of open the door to some, some open conversation um, between you, the customer, and the customer getting to know, again, to getting to know and trust and, and like you. So I think that, um, you know, you already know that your listeners uh, have something in common with other listeners. Uh, the equine industry really is the basis for that. So I think having an, an open forum uh, gives that opportunity really to begin that discussion, to begin those conversations. And uh, that's where that gives you an opportunity to really talk about what you'd like to do, you know, what your passions are, what your business is about, you know, your story as that, uh, that equine enthusiast. And if your story is compelling, you know, is compelling enough, that by far will sell itself. I think the energy that you generate between the two people that, that are in this conversation uh, can go a long way, you know, further into the relationship, uh, product selling and things like that, I think will become second nature as you're walking them through some of the things that you enjoy doing. Uh, that makes it relatively easy. Um, some of the things that uh, one of the other traits, I think, or one of the other aspects is I think we take things for granted. There are things that we do on a regular basis that can earn you additional income. You know, for example, a close friend uh, of mine that has a small, uh, small little ranch north of here. Um, he doesn't have a lot of a lot of cattle on it, but it's it's interesting to me as he comes to me and starts talking about some of the things that he's doing um, because it's a passion of his. He's he's a sales rep during the week, so he's he's within the industry. Uh, but on the weekends, he really loves taking care of and spending time with his cattle. So um, what he did was is he, he's involved in the local community. So therefore, he's got connections with the FFA, um, with 4-H. Uh, and what he is seeing, especially in Texas, is that we're having an influx of people from out of state or an influx of people from uh, that are moving to the general area that uh, that started in the city and they're moving out into the country a little bit. And they really value those, um, those open opportunities to spend time, not only with their children, but to possibly get involved with, with those organizations. Like I said, the FFA and 4-H. 
So what he's done is he's created a little part of his section of, of property there to kind of develop what he called, what I call a, a boutique ranch. So the funny thing about it is that he sells or has a 4-H person come out there to his place. He says, hey, you know, we're really involved and want to get involved in FFA. We want to learn how to show cattle. So he has some black Angus cows uh, on his property. So he might sell them a newborn cow, you know, a calf. Um, then he says, all right, well, if you're going to show that cow, you, you know, if they're coming from the city and they move out to the country a little bit, but they don't have a lot of land, then they may need for the opportunity for them to, for him to board it. So, so now he's sold them the cow, he's found them a place to board. And then from there, the menu gets even larger. So, you know, the feeding, the handling, you know, if they need to be uh, haltered and groomed, each little bit of that that he already does with a lot of his own show cattle have now been incorporated into some of his daily practices. So uh, that gives you know a young person an opportunity to uh, to really enjoy part of our lifestyle, uh, whether it be equine or, or, or you know or bovine in the cattle industry and what have you. But uh, you know we all have you know anybody who's had a, a high school kid uh, knows that over a period of time. Uh, the young person may lose some interest in, in going forward with it. It may be a one-year deal. It could be that they're getting ready to graduate from college or high school and then aren't going anywhere with this cow. So he also has an opportunity to buy the cow back. So the neat thing about that is that over a period of time, um, the boutique, in my opinion, his boutique ranch basically pays for itself and also pays for a lot of the feed for his regular herd. So we kind of kid each other. I said, you know, you, a young person might have the best of both worlds out there because now they can come out there, buy a cow from you. You put it in the hotel right there on your spot, <laughs> take care of it for them, essentially. And then when they're done with it, then you buy it back from them. And then uh, it's a win-win for both of you. And so he he really, I, I, me personally, I'm, I'm already looking at a retirement program. So. <laughs> <laughs> It could very well turn into something much bigger, but you never know. There you go. But I love that because those are, that is a really, really super creative example of the things that horse business owners may not see those opportunities for selling um, that they take for granted, like you said. Yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, when you're doing it day in and day out and uh, to a certain degree, it becomes habit. So, there's some things that that you do on a regular basis. I think whether it be for your business or for for your, uh, you know, uh, even me here in, at a corporate level, um, there's some things that I do day in and day out that I may take for granted that other people might see as uh, as an added um, an added benefit or an added value to what you may have to offer in your own business. So you know, take some time to step back and and maybe make some notes about what you do on a daily basis that you think might be an added uh, feature or value that you can share and or uh, ultimately put on your list of things when it comes to uh, value-added services that you may have. So those are things that you do on a regular basis that set you apart from the rest of your competition that you can charge for. Um, and don't be afraid to do that. I think that there's a lot of things out there that, that really kind of people go, well, I do that on a regular basis. So I, you know, I throw that 50 pound bell of hay everywhere. And then I go ahead and spread it out with that, 
without, you know, throughout my livestock. Well, if you've got one or two people that you're boarding, let's say, and you do that for them, then why wouldn't you want to charge them for that? Mm-hmm. So, and things like that, I think we can get into a little bit further in our conversation that, that really uh, can help set your businesses apart from uh, what you're what you're seeing in the field, like I said. So ultimately right now, you know, if you're afraid to, you know, if you're afraid to sell, you're basically afraid to talk. So I think that that's, that's key. You got to be able to open the doors of conversation. The second one is things we take for granted, things that we do on an ongoing basis uh, that we may not realize have, uh, have some value to it. And then lastly, uh, your income ceiling, you know, is, is really set by one thing. And in my opinion, that's how hard you're willing to work to get to that income level that you set. So let's say, you know, those add-on sales and things like that, that we were talking about with this boutique ranch really kind of begins to elevate your income opportunities because you're charging for things that you may now realize are important in the everyday part of your business. So again, you know, going back to feed, so you can, you know, you can break up a 50 pound bale of alfalfa over, you know, a few horses. But if you're willing to do that, work a little bit harder um, in your daily routine to add a couple of horses that you may be boarding or offer that as part of the menu of different things. I think that there's some opportunities there. So I always like to say, you know, talk about, you know, thinking out of the box, you know, you know about what your products and services that you're offering um, and how aggressively you market and advertise uh, those added on add-on features, you know. And at the same time, you're beginning to develop the reputation uh, along the way. You know, I like to always recommend, um, and and under most circumstances, I mean, when I'm in a selling in a selling opportunity with a new customer, um, especially because our industry is so small. Um, uh, that I feel like it's important that I discuss some things that are happening either around them or in the in the communities that we work with, uh, you know, that, that list of type of businesses that we're working within. So when I say that, uh, I like to include some testimonials and or recommendations um, from some of the other customers that I work with. So I, I highly recommend that 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 you have a place for that in some of your uh, in your marketing strategies. Uh, you know, this is also where kind of the math comes into play, and we might want to talk a little bit more about that in some upcoming podcasts because um, you have to establish what your daily overhead is, and then be able to cover your overhead. And then, how do I sell different products and or services to kind of cover my overhead? cover my marketing strategies and what I'm willing to spend on that side of it. And then what I can do to, to kind of elevate my game plan uh, with that additional profits that, that come in with low. Um, oh, I guess, you know, low out, you know, low outpour or, or low spending, you know, I, I it, it's always interesting to me because in nine times out of 10, what we do, um, I always like to kind of refer to it to the stock market. You buy it low and you sell it high. And I would imagine that's the same thing with most, most livestock. Everybody wants to trade and buy something less expensive than what their perceived value could be as they begin to work with it over time. 
So I think uh, I think that those are probably the most the three fundamentals I I think Denise that that really kind of put us moving in the right direction when it comes to this type of uh, mindset and and some of the things and some of the barriers that I think your customers can go through or get past. So if hopefully that that puts us in the right direction. It does. It does. Those are so, they're so good. And I wish we could camp out on each one a little longer. So I hope that those that are taking notes, you can also go see the outline of this episode for my listeners are, it'll be at the show notes at stormlily.com slash 74. But I want to hone in on this one for just a second, that idea that your income ceiling is set by how hard you're willing to work. I think I have heard this and I'm sure that you have, and I've had another guest. We chatted about this on the podcast because I hear it so often, right? If you want to make money in the horse business, you have to start out with money. I have you, I'm sure you've heard that one before. So I love that this kind of, it's just that reminder that it is possible for you to meet your income goals, um, but you do have to have some strategies behind it, right? It is going to take work. And even right there, just that idea of having an income goal, many listeners, I just want you to hear that, that it is important for you to know what you need to make in the year, right? It's not just about just setting a price and thinking that's a fair price and going on with it, right? So I love that idea, Chris. I do think we should have a future podcast just about pricing, um, but I wanted to hang out there and just just remind the listeners that are here that you can do this, but it is important that you have those goals in mind so that you can work backwards from that. So I love that you said that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that's, you know, fundamentally, that's uh, what any business really needs to do and, you know, set the goal and then uh, begin to uh, begin to work, you know, begin to work towards that goal. And it, you know, nine times out of 10, yeah. Do you need some, some capital to begin that business with? Probably. Yes. Um, And then I think probably uh, putting together a one-year plan, a three-year plan, a five-year plan, and even longer. I think those type of things, uh, you know, it's much easier to hit a goal after a year and be excited about that goal and continuing forward than it would be to put you a five-year goal out there and not seeing some measurable results along the way uh, and getting frustrated. So I think that that's probably one of the, the other things too that I think, Denise, your listeners probably should should understand is it sets some achievable goals because um, nothing is more depressing than than having a goal and then over a period of time not being able to to achieve some smaller measurable goals as you begin to work towards that big one. Yes, I love that. One year plan, three year plan, five year plan. That's gold. I love that. Okay, okay. so we've got the mindset. Um, so let's talk about some of the tactical things, right? You mentioned the idea of the interview. Share a little bit more about what that means to you. I, you know, I think the interview really is that it's your first, first opportunity. Um, I like to think of it as, uh, as kind of a back and forth, a Q and a with you and your customer to kind of give you, you know, some feel about what direction that they're interested in, what services you, they may be interested that you offer. Um, and it gives you an opportunity to really kind of get a feel for the customer. And if that customer is really a good fit for your business, um, I, from our aspect, from the boot business, um, not every retailer, every customer that comes to Justin Boot Company is going to be the right fit for our company. 
Um, and I think that that's also something that needs to be uh, understood with your customers as well. You know, not every customer that comes to uh, your website or comes to your facility or uh, is interested in doing business with you is always going to be a right fit for the direction of the business that you want or that you have. Um, so I think that that this really begins the opportunity to kind of discuss and get in their head about what they're they're looking for. Um, again, I kind of touched on it a little bit about watching and letting the customer kind of lead you in the right direction or in the direction. Um, so it's kind of like you know, I, like I said earlier, I'm not I'm not a hard sell kind of person. Um, I think it puts people off like a used car salesman in a plaid jacket. <laughs> yeah, my retail days. Uh, to you know, to managing a multi-million-dollar boot business, uh, you know, I work hard to start a convert, you know, conversation that'll lead me to what the customer is looking for, what the customer is needing. Um, so I think that that's really the, the beginning of an opportunity. So you bet. So okay, one thing I want to pull out, and then I want you to share some specific ways about starting that conversation because I don't think that we've said this yet. But we're talking a lot about selling. But something that I'm hearing you say is that idea of it being conversation, and the best conversations are not one sided, right? So the idea of you selling as a part of an interview or a conversation in an interview. You might ask the questions, but then that person is talking and you're listening, right? So I just want to pull that out to remind everybody that selling, yes, is about talking, but it's also about listening, right? A good interviewer is a good listener. So I I just thought it was important to pull that out really quick before we dive into some of the other great tactical things that you have to share about starting that conversation that's going to lead you to what your customer is wanting or what your customer is needing, as you said. I, I totally agree. I think having the opportunity to, to have that two-way conversation is, is extremely important. You know, the, and don't be afraid to ask your customers questions. And that's really uh, some of the fundamentals. You know, as they begin to open up that conversation with you, um, it really allows you the opportunity to begin to discuss uh, your business, um, some of the things and the aspects that they may be looking for or, or may have even been missing in the previous place that they were coming from or to, you know, in their search. So, you know, whether you're searching for a, an outside sales rep that I do from time to time or looking for, uh, you know, having that conversation with a customer, whether it be, a, you know, a tractor supplier or an Atwoods or something like that, uh, you know, I think that going back and forth to really uh, pinpoint some of the opportunities I think is really ultimately part of that interview process and we're giving you the direction on, on where you can go with it. So. Yeah. Perfect. Totally agree. Awesome. Okay. So share with us some of these specific ways that you've come up with that will help our listeners to start these conversations, right? Where they can figure out what their customer wants and needs and we're selling. Is it going to feel so much like the used car salesman, like you said? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that really creates some, uh, some comfort and, uh, and a genuine ease for your retailer or for your customers is they're coming to your, uh, whether come to your website, come to your store, come to your trailer, uh, coming to you know, coming to see you as a, as a business owner. Uh, the one thing that I really like to stress is know your product, know your services and know your business. Uh, be the expert. You got to be the expert on, on the products that you offer, the services you render 
and your overall general business practices and the direction you're going to go. I would consider myself an expert in our products, including raw materials, constructions, to merchandising, pricing, and where it fits in the marketplace. I shop and educate myself on what our competition is doing. Um, I think that that's an ongoing part of my routine uh, and important when you're looking for uh, looking for those pieces of, of your product assortments that may be lacking. There's always opportunities for improvement. And I think that this is really where we can kind of hone in our our, our genuine skills as far as the, the product is concerned and what we can do and what we can offer in the marketplace. Um, you know, in your conversations with your customers or potential new customers, you'll find the holes uh, or the what I like to call as kind of the gap, the things that they're needing or that they're wanting in those conversations that you have with them. Um, and when you kind of in those conversations and as you're talking, you may realize some things that your customer is talking about, but, oh, hey, I can fix that. Or, hey, um, go a little bit further into the conversation. Oh, I have some products that I can help uh, take care of their horse with that, that they may not have been introduced to at the previous uh, place that they were boarding at or if they're new customers. Um, and that might even be part of the gap is there if they're a brand new customer to your industry and they don't know anything about it. Again, being the expert in this and knowing everything, knowing the product, your services, and your business can really, really drive some of those uh, opportunities for you. You know, for example, if you know if you were a horse sporting business and you have a customer come or come uh, call or come by, once you kind of get past the the initial introductions, you know, hi, I'm Chris Stein. Um, this is this is Stein Stables, and we appreciate you coming by. Um, Tell me a little bit about what you're looking for. What, uh, you know, start asking those questions. You know, what brings you out here today is, you know, is there uh, some things that I might be able to point you towards or direct you towards instead of going, hey, you know, why are you here? What can I do? What can I sell you? Um, really open those doors of conversations. And, and it can be as simple as asking somebody how their day is going so far. <laughs> um, this, I think, is really the first opportunity. Uh, for you to also ask, you know, if you're shopping for a boarding place, you know, why is it that you left the one that you were at? Um, is it too far away? Is it um, not as clean as you anticipated? Some different things like that. So, so asking questions, again, kind of reaching back to that interview process. Um, the key here is also know what your competition is doing. So I think... Um, that's always one of the things that I look for and, and try to uh, express with even my sales reps uh, that travel the country. It's like, all right, well, what is our competition doing and how can we improve on what they're doing? Um, how can we, you know, the view never changes if you're not the lead dog. So we always strive to be the lead dog in the hunt. So uh, basically at the end of the day, no one knows your business better than you do. Um, so having that opportunity to discuss your business and the direction of your business, I think really leads to some great things. Okay. That's super, super good. Okay. Yeah. Don't move on to your next one. Let's keep out there for a second. So know your okay. product, your services and your business and be the expert. I just, I think that's a super good 
all the things that you said, right? We're really good points, but for that example, even, right? So knowing your stuff, as you listen to, as you ask those questions, as you just said, then you're able to help them and guide them and figure out if, like you said, you may not be a fit for everybody, but if you are, then you're able to pull out the highlights of your business that are fitting the need for what they have at that moment. So I think that's super good. I just wanted to pull that out, but I love it. That's great. Sure. Okay. What else do you have for us? Oh, well, sorry. Um, Go you know, going, going back to that, you know, when I yeah. said the expert, I mean, nobody wants to go to a doctor that, that got a D in his, in his class. <laughs> right. Yeah. If we want to put it, I always, when we talk about the interview process, nothing is more important than my health. So think about that too. I always ask, you know, whether it be a dentist or, or something like that. I said, I'm always asking, well, are you an A student, a B student? <laughs> yeah. Because this is some important things that we're talking about here. And I would imagine that a person's horse uh, is just as important to them as their own, uh, their own health. So yeah, yeah, nobody wants to talk to somebody that was the C student. So, yeah, it goes back to that trust factor, right? You're gonna, you can you can trust them a whole lot better if you know they it, know their stuff. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So be the expert. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So, so what else? If we're moving into it a little bit further, um, like I said, always know what your competition do is doing or what they're not doing. I said, you know, you should ask yourself, you know, what do you, as the business owner, do better than your competition? That would make someone choose your business over that one. So in this situation, it could be something as simple as uh, upgraded feed in your in your operation, uh, a blanket that you put on uh, the horses in your stalls as an add-on feature that might not be happening on an ongoing basis at another location. So you can say, all right, well, the temperature uh, hits 50 degrees at night. Our show horses are going to have blankets on them. Different things that are small uh, indicators of not only the type of business that you want to run, but some little small uh, things that set you apart. Uh, so I think that that's really some of the important things. You know, you might even have a, um, you know, I, I think I've, you might even have a couple of notes that uh, that you want to share with some of the people in your other businesses. Um, so there's an opportunity for you to to kind of touch base, you know, talk to some of the people that are working within some of these other organizations as well. Um, go be a secret shopper, you know, go to one of the businesses that that's in your general area that might be similar to yours and, and go talk to them about their business, but do it as, you know, do it kind of as a secret shopper to a certain degree. So you can kind of get a feel without actually being uh, over the top to kind of get an idea of what they're doing in their business. You may even be able to search their websites. Is there some things that I can do on my website that might be a little bit more engaging? Um, is there some imagery that I might be able to put in that I think would give me the upper hand in this situation? So I think always knowing what your competition is doing or not doing, I think is really important. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm, I've got one that I'm going to add. It's a, it goes along with this, but it comes from a conversation I've been having with a couple of different clients the past couple of weeks. And it is this idea of knowing what your competition is doing, um, but not copying. So especially like you said, and I, not that you're insinuating copying, but I have had some clients that are like, Hey, I'm having people copy my stuff. Right. So whether it's website copy that's on your website, whether it's your social media, 
A, don't be copying others, of course. B, what you can do if that's happening to you or to keep that from happening to you is as you look at what your competition is doing, use that as inspiration, but do not say, okay, I'm going to do what they're doing because it's working for them because they have gone through the work of identifying their ideal client, right? So what's on their website, what's on their social media, that's what their ideal client wants to see. You need to go through the work of identifying who you want to work with, like Chris just said, and then make sure that you are infusing your personality in that. Because while these other things that Chris mentioned um, or that you mentioned are absolutely true, right? Look at the actual things that you can upgrade as a part of your service and as a part of the experience with your company. But then also remember that people buy from people. And so don't be afraid to put your personality inside of that mix as well, right? So be aware of your competition's doing. And then as you use that for inspiration, do it through the mix of your business, right? Do what feels like you so that when people land on your website, when they see your ads, when they see your social media, then they're going to see you and they're going to recognize that that's you, that's your branding, that's your company, and they want to work with you because of that, right? It's your stories, your testimonies that you shared about as well, Chris, that are going to help people want to work with you because you're set apart a little bit, right? So I just want to throw that in there. And I know, like I said, you are not insinuating copying, but I've had that conversation with a couple different people the past couple of weeks. So I thought this is really timely. And just like a reminder to everybody that, yes, look at what others are doing. And then I want you to remember to infuse your personality and keep your ideal client in mind at all times, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it happens quite a bit in the footwear industry, you know, people take an idea or a concept and then they, they tweak it or they add something to it. But uh, you know, one of the, one of the benefits of being a brand that's been around since 1879 is that most of the things that are in the marketplace uh, have a tendency to make itself back, back around again. So what we're seeing in the seventies and eighties that Justin was doing as a, as a leader in the industry uh, we're seeing other brands in the industry kind of take their spin on it. And that's probably what I would recommend. Do, do You have to be uh, individual um, at the same time being uh, authentic. Uh, I think that that, Denise, is probably one of the, one of the key words there is be authentic. Um, don't rely on somebody else's uh, imagery, uh, emotion, visual presentation uh, to really um, take that as a template to, to begin your own business. I think that, that, that you, I think using things and, and outside indicators and, and different things uh, can really give you an opportunity to, to be inspired. But as you said, Denise, it's, it's about being authentic and genuine and that will ultimately come through. Uh, especially when it comes to uh, to working with in other individuals in the marketplace. So I, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. All right. What did I tell you? Wasn't that just a wealth of information that I really believe is going to equip you to better sell 
the products and services that you are offering. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I would love to know what your takeaway was. So find me on Instagram, Storm Lily Marketing, or shoot me an email, Denise at StormLily.com or on Facebook. I would love to know what your biggest takeaway was, how it's going to help you in your horse business as you are out there selling. All right, so episode number 74 is today. So make sure you visit the show notes at StormLily.com slash 70 for the outline. And then make sure that you stay tuned because next week, Chris will be back on the podcast and we are talking all things product marketing or product selling, right? Okay. If you have any questions at all about marketing, please know I am always available. I love to hear from you all. If you need help, if you're curious about my one-on-one services, I would love to visit with you and chat about that as well. So feel free to visit my website, stormlilymarketing.com. Find me on social media. Let's connect. I always love to cheer on fellow horse business owners. All right. Thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. I look forward to seeing you here again next week. And until then, have an awesome day. Mm-hmm.